speaking of rants, I, I'm going to bring this up because you're a finance guy. The yeah. the CEO of Cushing, does Cushing Square Capital sound familiar to you? No. Or maybe it's not Cushing Square. It's oh, Pershing Square Capital. That's it. God. Um, okay. The CEO, the founder, Bill Ackman. Does that name sound familiar? Oh, yeah. Bill Ackman, yeah. So he was on on CNBC yesterday. Um, <laughs> he spent close to a half an hour on CNBC yesterday, just ranting, just incoherently, just saying all sorts of garbage. One moment he would be like, hotel stocks are going to go to zero. I'm paraphrasing. Hotel stocks are going to go to zero, but I really like Hilton and I'm going to buy some of it. And I'm like, what are you, what? Like, (laughs) what are you even saying right now? Like, I I have no idea. There are words coming out of your mouth, but what is it, like? What does it actually mean? Like, for one moment yeah. it was doomsday, and the next moment it was now's a good time to buy. And I'm so, I uh, yeah, no, I, I I'm not a fan of rants. I I, <laughs> I, I tend to uh, as I long tend, as they're coherent. <laughs> yeah, no this this was not coherent at all, and I'm, it, it got pretty clear that they were picking up on on it too. Like the the, the limited hosts that are left on their programs. Yeah. Um, they just kind of stopped asking questions and just let him go. Right. They're like, just move the camera this way, please. Right. Like, he's like, he's done. like it was just basically, let's just rotate through some graphics of things that are coming up in his head as he's spewing the stream of consciousness now, but we're just, <laughs> we're just going to let him do it. Like, okay. Oh, he it's mentioned so Hilton. Ridiculous. Let's throw up a Hilton chart. Like, I don't even know. Like, where are we going with this at this point? Like, it felt like it was like a five minute mm-hmm. segment that turned into a half hour long thing. Like the whole, the whole half hour video is on yeah. the CNBC website and it's just a train wreck. It's a sales pitch. Here, here's finance is sales. That's all it actually is. So these guys get on there. They go, oh, it's all going to crap except for Hilton. And <laughs> no, Hilton was going to crap way, too, but he was going to buy it anyways. <laughs> but but they will say stuff like that because they already have a position in Hilton. They're like, buy Hilton. <laughs> like, please help us not lose money. Like, it's like, dude, that's so obvious. Like, come on, bro. It's like it's like when security analysts. Well, be like, oh, we give it, we give it a target of twenty percent upside. You're like, cool. Do you own, do you own shares in it? Yeah. That's a little self-serving, and then that gets published on Bloomberg Terminal. It gets published on Yahoo Finance, and then everybody and their mom's like, oh, great. And then it goes up twenty percent, not because of any fundamentals, just because they said it should. They're like, great, thanks guys for the twenty percent upside. <laughs> yeah, I figure Sell by it. the time it's showed up on. <clears throat> on the television it's too it's late. already baked in don't the even price, whatever changes have already happened are already baked into the price yeah like it's already just too not... late. there's if they're talking about it publicly they've already gotten what they want out of it yeah that's what i'm saying dude they're they're just trying to get a little bit extra upside and then they're selling yeah so this it's been it's been interesting watching this uh the the market turmoil as they've as they've you know very <laughs> cutely branded it you know, one day it's up a million points, the next day it's down a million points, and there's just blood in the streets practically. But like from from the perspective of e-commerce, like there's it's business as usual for the most of us. Like that's Dude. I think what's great about this. I mean, unless you sell masks or hand sanitizer <laughs> out of a warehouse in Tennessee and somehow decide it's a great idea to do a New York Times profile and then get roasted by the entire planet. That was so ridiculous. <laughs> Like, why, why would you ever do that? Like, oh, I'm smart. Like, mm, not anymore. <laughs> like, dude. Oh, we're going to get more emails. Bro. I love I it. I know. <laughs> Welcome to Growth. Episode number two. The Emotions of Business. But, like, don't be a dick. Like, sorry, but that's not running an operational business in a smart way. That's just, like taking advantage of a situation. And honestly, like, don't get me wrong. I'm a capitalist through and through, but like, come on, bro. <laughs> like really that's price gouging. That's ridiculous. I don't care if it's legal or illegal. Like that's not okay. Like there's an actual like health risk right now. Chill out. Like that's, I'm sorry, but you can't be like, Oh no, my business is, is mask. Was it before? No. Okay. Then dude, you're taking advantage of an opportunity. That's all you're doing. Like you're opportunistic period. You're not building a business. You're just taking advantage of a situation. Completely irrelevant. But even people in our Facebook group, because I asked them, was like, you know, how are you guys feeling? How, how, how are you reacting? Like, how are your sales? And the majority of them were like, my sales are up. 
<laughs> like say none of this really matters. And I think not that it's not that it doesn't matter from a health standpoint, because certainly it does. That's an actual problem. But from a business standpoint, generally, it's fine. You're fine. If you have a legitimate business, you're okay. Yeah. I know there was there was at least a brief moment of panic when the Amazon email went out that oh, gosh, said yeah. we're we're prioritizing new shipments. And at first I'm like, oh, that sucks. And then I read the list and I'm like, oh, I sell most of that crap. It's fine. Whatever. Right. <laughs> and then I promptly put the email away. And yes, I do, even though my downloads folder is garbage, I do go inbox zero. It is my inbox oh, is kind of a task list almost for me. Like that's okay. how I look at it. I, we got to talk about that. That's not okay. <laughs> that's so not it, okay. For me though, it works because I look at it and be like, okay, I need, here are the three things I need to address today. And then right. I'll go do it. If I have to go put it in somewhere else to start prioritizing my emails, to me, that's already too much. But we talked about that on the last episode. I'm not going to beat that horse even more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we could go I, in depth, man. Yeah. We could, you know, I think we, we made it pretty clear that there is no one size fits all solution for that either. And that's that is so true. <laughs> I think that's, that's also acceptable. But, you know, seeing the, seeing the panic made me glad that I don't do retail arbitrage or book yeah online stuff like i i feel for them i feel for those groups who had to maybe lay off their staff because they essentially couldn't do anything you know like they 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 went i i don't know how they went to zero but you know apparently it was bad enough they had to lay people off and i i feel i you know i feel bad sure. i have i have empathy as a small business operator you know i i get it but you know, I, that empathy is very limited. Like I also look at like all of the other businesses that are being affected by the current events and I feel bad, but there is something to be said about having a bit of resiliency in your yeah. operations, you know, 100%. maybe not having a year's worth of cash on hand. Maybe that's a little bit much, but, but three to six months, like how is that unrealistic? If, if you're, Here's another hot take. I, I'm sure somebody who owns a restaurant will comment on this. But if your restaurant ends up closing because your traffic diminishes for a couple weeks, like if that's already a conversation you're having and it's two weeks. You have a fragile business, period. That I mean, and it's funny because, you know, obviously we're we're now switching into growth mode as, as, a, as a software company. So we're hiring engineers. The first thing we did Say, so, okay, here's what we anticipate paying that person. We want three months minimum cash in the bank to cover all, all of, at least fixed costs, right? So variable costs, that's fine. We can deal with that. But like fixed costs, right? Salaries, things that have to be here. And then we do six months. Now, finance people, we can certainly take the latter half of the six months, that three months. We can invest it. To get a return on it because it's otherwise it's just cash being you know deflated which is not good but three months has to be there for cash period and we're only investing the, the latter half into things that we have a little bit of control over and is very liquid so we can get that back worst case scenario but we're talking like three months into a actual problem dude like that's not even difficult i'm not saying like it's easy to do but i feel like that's just a smart business decision especially if you are responsible for other people's paychecks yourself i don't care about like that you do you but when you're responsible for some for another human being come on like you you can't tell me like two weeks is the, the make or break for you if that's the case you mismanage your business period in a discussion you mismanaged it or you took too much out of it because you're too much of a lifestyle person you're like oh no this is all my cash to go buy a ferrari with blah 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 Come on, like you got to be smart here. <laughs> There's pros and cons, right? Just because the business makes, let's say, half a million dollars a year in net profit doesn't mean you take half a million dollars a year net profit and go wild and spend it. No. Why would you ever do that? Yeah. So I watch I watch a lot of these, you know, these companies and see their valuations be cut in half for quarters practically, you know, over the last few weeks. And the first, I can't help but think about Somebody's probably needed a haircut in the first place. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, like most realistically. Are bloated. Right. Like I'm thinking like, oh, I mean, it sucks for the cruise lines, but does you live in Florida. So this will be a little bit more, you know, on the nose for you. Like, who goes on a cruise anymore? 
here's the thing about cruises. They're they're actually pretty cheap and it's all inclusive outside of alcohol. So you can spend like $300. I mean, about a hundred bucks a day. And if you're like, I just, I need to get away. I don't know where I want to go. I just don't want to worry about things. Do go on a cruise, 300 bucks, three days, you're out. I like cruises. I don't hate them. I think they're they're pretty decent and they're not abnormally expensive in my opinion, but nothing's really been innovated on. I mean, there's nothing new. So that would be cool. But I agree. I mean, if you look at at least the financial side of things, we've been at historical highs, which means things are perceivably overvalued. It was only a matter of time anyways. I yeah. think we were we were overdue for a lot of this and it's a the fact, it's cyclical. Oh yeah, absolutely. Every every massive market boom always comes before a recession and then it rinses and repeats. Like this is this is the way things are. And it's always it always a, it's always a gradual upturn, you know, over decades, right? You know, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, but then it goes up higher and then it goes down, it goes up higher. Like this is I think in a lot of ways, it feels like the market was just looking for a reason to offload a lot of this. Yeah, I, I, we, and we talk about that a lot. I mean, I, I think that's the case as well. It, it certainly felt that way because we're like, you guys are pushing this upside a little much. Like, come on, because we're looking at fundamentals. We're like, that's not appropriate. So we're like, all right, well, we're going to wait for a correction. We just don't know when that's going to happen, but it will happen. I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, at least statistically speaking in the hundred plus years we've, we've had a, a stock exchange, but yeah, I, I was waiting for it. Um, and I've been telling people like, yeah, you know, I can't tell you when, but it will. And so you're, if you're in a fragile business, you need to be prepping for this. Now we had a conversation when we started the repricing company two years ago, Hey, this is probably going to happen in the next three to five years. We should prep for that. Great. What should we do? We should save 50% of profit, put it here. We should have three to six months worth of expenses stored in cash ready to go. Cool. The reason for that, which is kind of awesome, downturn does happen, a recession does happen, and our competitors start to falter, we get to snap up more market share. So we actually view it as an opportunity. One, for personal finances, right? Because you just invest more at a, a steep discount. You know it's going to go back up. I mean, I'm 28. My time horizon's pretty long. I'm okay. And then from a business standpoint, we get to grow way easier than previously. So we're like waiting for this to happen. Whether you're in software, e-commerce, real estate, it doesn't matter. People will churn out, which frees up market share for you to more easily, if you're primed for it, take over. It's awesome, dude. So you're saying we're going to go through a recession and come out better than we went in? Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> like, if you can view it that way, oh my gosh, you're like, yeah, please happen. Like, I don't want my business to fail, obviously, but like, we're, if you're primed to not do that, and the probability is fairly low, you know, it's something to really consider. I, I think about the conversations around reselling critical we'll just call them critical supplies in this time things like soaps and sanitizers and for some reason toilet paper like somewhere Why along the line out? people thought it gave you the shits or something right like i don't it literally doesn't <laughs> it's exactly. ridiculous like i i've never been able to figure out why like the closest i've been able to come <laughs> is that there was a fear that there would be like a shelter in place and then people would run out of toilet paper because they couldn't go to the store for three weeks or whatever right like that's that's as close as i've been able to come <laughs> and even then like that just doesn't immediately happen you know, there you work up to that. And we're still not there, obviously. Like here in Seattle, like everything is practically closed besides grocery stores and still haven't been told the to shelter in place. You know, like we have the what is it? The the it's either the highest death rate or the highest number of cases. Like it's one of those two. Like we are top number one for one of those terrible categories. And we're still here just doing stuff. I mean, nobody's working, obviously. Nobody's going to school, but you can still go buy food. You know, you can still you can still eat out if even if that just means taking it out and then go sitting on a park bench somewhere. Dude, I went to we went to a restaurant last night and the yeah, it was empty. I'm like, mm, I'm still gonna eat. <laughs> like it's fine. I'm not worried about it. 
I mean, I got my hand sanitizer, but in in an odd way, like that is social distancing. Like, right? If there's nobody in the restaurant around you, like, right? Is it fine then? You know, <laughs> like I'm decreasing my risk. I can't quantify by how much, but I assume I am. Yeah. So right? like that's it's it, it's been a hard change for a lot of folks, especially those who are being told to work from home now. Like today, as we record March nineteenth of twenty twenty. Uh, this is the first day my wife has to work from home and we've had the conversation about work from home life a long time. You know, I, I've told her you could probably do it if you really wanted to, but it's because of the industry she works in. It's not like it doesn't support that as well as yeah. like stuff that you less and I normal. Do. Yeah. Right. So, you know, a lot of what she has to do are like face to face interactions and stuff. But now because that's Zoom. really discouraged <laughs> all of a sudden, you've eliminated most of the requirement for working in an office. So yeah, now here she is. She's taken over our dining room table. It's great. I helped <laughs> get her set up with, you know, I gave her a spare monitor uh, and, a, and a mouse and everything. And nice. like she's, she's ready to go now. Like this is, you know, this, our apartment has now become an office. It's great. <laughs> I don't ultimately know where I was going with that, but I think if nothing else, this is a good opportunity for people in general even outside of our space to evaluate their, their business resiliency. Like this, this is a test, you know, and if you're failing it, you really need to, if you want to keep operating this business, you need to figure out why. And once you do, you, you will come out ahead if it's not already too late, obviously. I mean, if, you know, banks are, are working on like loan forbearance and like next to free money, right? Like there, there are resources coming to help mitigate some of this pain some people still aren't going to make it and that's unfortunate but this is this is the churn of the quote market with a capital m right this welcome to business right yeah it's always it's funny because we've been so frothy like from an economic standpoint like it's like oh it's easy i'm like yeah of course it's easy it's like being like oh like i'm a trader and like i made crazy gains i'm like yeah you did it in a in a bull market try to do that in a bear market. And then they're like, I'm losing everything. Like, <laughs> it's right, hard. It's not, it's, it's harder. It's not the same economic environment. And you have to be prepared for stuff like that. Like if you start a business and you're like, Hey, it's frothy right now. Okay. I need to be aware. I'm going to take full advantage of it. Right. If it's easier. Awesome. But I'm waiting for the moment it gets harder. And I'm just like, I'm like ready to pounce. Right. Like, all right, it might get harder. What are we going to do? Let's have contingencies in place. I'm willing to double down. Like we'll figure it out. But you have to you have to be at that place mentally, otherwise you're just going to drop out, right? And then you're going to be back to where you were before you started, and you're like, "Oh my god, I got to go get a job." <laughs> like, don't do that to yourself. Which you know that that ties in nicely to what I said in the last episode. Like, if you, I, I know a lot of people get into this because they hate their job. Like, believe me, that is not lost on me at all. I understand that I've worked in terrible positions, terrible companies. I, I get that feeling. I will never forget it. But if you can find a way to stretch it out even just a little bit longer, you're going to – the feeling of working for a crap employer, does, it does not equate to fear that you have failed because your business is failing. Like at that point, you're, you're internal – like you're pointing it back on you. Like when you hate your job, you, you hate the person you work for. You're going to end up hating yourself and that's, that's going to be way worse. So yeah, well go ahead and get ready. Cause you're going to do it. You're going to have nights where you're like, I am the dumbest person I've ever met. You're just, you're going to have that. And what's crazy is you could have the biggest month you've ever had and be like, I am so stupid. It's not true. But you have to face these demons, these fears, these insecurities. And trust me, that crap sucks. But you got to do it, right? You just have to get through it. And I think there's a difference that we should highlight too between running away from something and running towards something. I, I kind of alluded to this at the, the previous episode. If you are running away from a job you hate, you will find any opportunity. Doesn't mean it's good. But if you can if you can stick it out a bit longer and find the thing you want to run towards, it's great because there's reason behind it. There's 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 motivation. There's excitement. There's 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 a point 
And I think that's, that's a big difference where so many people, you know, I have people reach out and be like, Hey Dylan, I just quit my job. Um, I was making hundred K a year. I need to get my business up and running, making that in like the next 30 to 60 days. What should I do? Go get another job. One, you've never started a business. So the likelihood that you're going to succeed that much that fast, not going to happen. Sorry. Um, you're not Mark Zuckerberg. You're not a unicorn. You didn't drop out of Yale. No, like I couldn't do it that fast. Like, come on, dude. So no. Two, are you choosing this business model because you think you can make money with it or because you want to do it? Here's the difference. I was trying to start software companies because I just wanted to do it. <laughs> I released a mobile app and crowdfunded it and it was garbage, but like I, I didn't care that I didn't make money. It was fun to do. And I got to say that I did it. Um, I was, I'm running towards something versus running away from something. Hopefully that makes sense. But if you can clarify which one of those two camps you're in, you can make a smarter decision. And nine times out of 10, you need to stick in your job longer. You're going to make smarter decisions for your business because you don't have to pull money out. You don't have to, you know, quote unquote, steal from your business profits early on, which could actually end up hurting you because your growth rate's lower, especially if you're in a, like a capital intensive business like e-commerce where you have to buy inventory. Why do you need to pay yourself five grand a month when you could be putting five grand a month back into your business and compounding that growth and ROI for another year? The difference between like, because we talked about this too, is like, when should you quit your job? From my perspective, it's the moment that your job is keeping you from making more money with your business. Not the moment you can leave and kind of pay your bills. No, that's not when. It's when me being here is, is costing me money and opportunity costs now. Great. Flip over. That's when you do that. People don't want to hear that though. They're like, no, I just want to get out like tomorrow. I'm like, dude, I get it. But that's not how this works. Not at all. Right. You, you almost have to think about it like, why did you take that job in the first place? And I think for a lot of people, the answer is because I have bills to pay. And so if... You can't say this new venture is going to fill that gap entirely as well. It's not time. Like as simple as that. It's it's not time. Unless you have, if you have, you know, some nest egg or massive financial cushion, then yes, obviously we're not talking about you. Like you, you'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> there is a group Which, of people. Which by the way, that... you should all have an emergency fund as a finance major, public service announcement, have an emergency fund of three to six months of your living expenses. Please, dear God. <laughs> and, I mean, if you're looking for an easy way to do it, you know, keep your job and some of Thank the profits it. from what you're what you're making right now stash that away you know the first thing you should do <laughs> you should be prepared to lose your job tomorrow and you should be prepared for your business to fall away tomorrow 100% you know, like this this right now is exactly this this is the moment where if you haven't been doing that Welcome. do it <laughs> yes welcome it, to the conversation you know better late than never i suppose and we have these conversations what happens if everything goes to zero overnight? What would we do? Well, we have skills. Okay, so we would just start another company. We would just solve a different problem. Okay, <laughs> great. We have money in the bank as a business, as individuals. Cool. We've bootstrapped a company from nothing before. Twice, actually. Great. We've, we've at least given thought to that happening. Now, the probability of that happening is fairly low, in my opinion. But it still exists. So we need to have a conversation, you know, not a lengthy one, but like, okay, well, how would this work out? I did have a conversation with uh, a follower um, when when you end up on the seller journal mining list. I, I I I reach out and the first question I ask is, you know, how can I help? Like, what what is your biggest struggle right now? And multiple times I've heard from people who've said that I I'm not sure how to make this thing work. You know, I. I'm like, okay, so what, what are you trying to do with this? First of all, like, let's clarify let, let's, that, <laughs> you know, let's, let's go back to the, the most basic here. We're not going to talk about Amazon or anything. What is your goal here? And it's always, at least in all of these conversations so far, it's always been, I'm looking to quit my job and make this a full-time thing. Okay. First, don't <laughs> like, <laughs> like I know it's out. It's, it's very enticing. Believe me. I, I would love the idea of not having to work for somebody like on principle. 
I also enjoy my job, so that probably wouldn't happen. But I, I get the appeal. I really do. It almost seems like there's there's this idea that gets sold to prospective e-com people, business business owners. It's a fantasy. You know, anybody that wants to start in, in quote, e-com. As, as as we as we call it, like God, I, hate, <laughs> I hate that shortening of the word, but whatever. Um, that this is your way to stick it to the man and become an entrepreneur, and like there's never a discussion about that really hard like rocky patch in between the two. You know, like it's it, it's always billed as this is this is your guaranteed solution to the problem. Just do this, yeah. and it'll magically work. You know, it's presented as the the opposite ends of polarity. On one end, you hate your life. On the other end, you love your life and you have a successful business and you have freedom. Great. What happens in between? How long does that take? Here's something for a reality check. I wrote blog posts twice a week for two years for free, didn't make any money to build our blog to add value to our Facebook community because there's hardly, there's like 50 people in there when we really started to push for it. Now it's coming up on 11,000. I did, I spent every Tuesday night for hour to two hours doing live sourcing, providing value, no sales, just value. Working on building what we have now and didn't start taking a paycheck until I would say, I don't know the exact dates, but like, Worked for free for a year and worked at a startup software company that was garbage. Hated it. I realized the opportunity that I had because I'm like, in my mind, you're funding me. <laughs> you're funding me to work on the thing that I really want to work on. I have I have a, a time horizon, right? So I'm not worried about us needing to raise money because I don't need to take money out of the company yet. Great. Um it taught me a lot of things not to do because they were doing a lot of things wrong. So very great. We're not going to do any of that, which made us better, right? There's opportunities everywhere and that job sucked. And then eventually they were spending so much money, like half of us got laid off. Well, they gave me severance for two months. No, it was one month. Actually, that was really shitty one month. And I knew what was happening. I knew the trajectory so I go, great, I'm going to reduce my living expenses to where I can live off of basically half of my income, which was not sexy, by the way. <laughs> Mr. $14,000 watches. Hey, well, hey, they're free, though. We'll, we'll talk about that. At some okay. Point. They All are. Right. I, I, you, you just got to break even. See? Money in the bank, but you got to break even. You never spend it. You just transfer it. So I knew. So I'd been banking money, my own runway. Two, the severance they gave me for a month was actually two months in my perspective. So I go, great. You just gave me two months of me not having to worry about getting a job before I even have to dip into my emergency fund to exclusively work on this. You could have viewed it that way or this sucks, blah, blah, blah. I just got to get out of here. No, dude, I was excited. Let's go. I know what I'm doing. I'm learning so much. I'm, I'm taking advantage of the opportunities that I did have and it worked out. That's the reality. Work for free for a year. Keep in, stay in the job that you hate for another year. Most people are cringing to hear that. But the simple fact is if you're willing to do that, that alone can set you up to actually succeed versus you quit your job and three months later, you're looking for another job. And by the way, you might get a worse job than the one you had previously. Let's talk about that. That's different, right? I, I refuse to sell you a fantasy. Because it doesn't exist. This is why I keep saying e-com, most of the businesses that a lot of people get into have a very low barrier to entry, but a very high barrier to succeeding. Why? It's still a business that you're starting. Just because all you need is an email and an LLC doesn't mean anything. To actually make it work takes the same amount of effort regardless of what you're going into. I don't care if you're starting a software company. I don't care if you're going into you know, wholesale Amazon. I don't care if you're going into private label. I don't care. It's the same amount of effort and focus over a long period of time. And if you can accept the reality of that and you're still like, yeah, dude, I'm down. Let's go. Like, there's no hesitation. You should do it. If you're like, eh, I don't know. Don't do it. 
you're not ready or it's not the right thing for you to go into. Plain and simple. That's the reality of the world we live in and nobody wants to talk about it for whatever reason. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's um there's an Instagram. I was just pulling it up here while you were while you were talking. I promise I was still listening. Uh-huh. I see how uh, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh there's there's an Instagram account called Baller Busters. I don't okay. know if you've heard of it. Uh yes, no, this is where they find like fake yes. like watches and all yeah, I know. Yes. I've seen this one. This yes. one's cool. This is this I mean this this is more of the extreme end of what I was what I was getting at. It's all fake. <laughs> it's yeah, there's there's a lot of fake out there. And I'm I'm not going to say you're say everyone's everyone else is fake but us. I mean, to an extent, that's kind of true. <laughs> like and I don't think at any point you're going to hear us talk about selling something to somebody or some we're, like there's the goal here isn't right. to make any money with anything. It's not like, a point. Dylan outright told me that he's not interested in sponsors. Like that's that's how <laughs> <laughs> like we're we're doing this because there's a lot of information out there that can that still needs to be shared with people. On like not just, you know, dumping a bunch of words in front of you or just saying a bunch of complicated things, but having an a, a real life conversation about the things that people are thinking about but aren't really sure how to bring up or just aren't being talked about because it you know i think i think we alluded to this pretty well in the last episode there's so much more to e-commerce than e-commerce if that makes any sense like there's you know you can start the business pretty relatively easily you know legal zoom exists right you know click a few buttons and punch in a few fields and now you have a business right but that's just the first step to it. Like there's there's so much more that goes into establishing a successful operation that I, I think more people need to learn. I, I would love to see more people excel because they learned the I guess we call them soft skills almost, you know, like the how to here's here's a here's a really good example. Like I I used to work in customer service. You know how, what, how that works really well in e-commerce? Answering those emails, angry customers, right? That's that's you know, hell. I would say if you could if you could spend six months in a customer service role, you will get infinitely better at talking to your your, co oh, your yeah. customers. Absolutely. I'm the co-founder, and I still do all of our customer support, so I'm right there with you, hundred <laughs> percent. And let's let's reclassify something too. Because, and I started saying this like probably a year and a half, two years ago. I'm sorry, but you do not have a business because you have an LLC and a website or business cards. You don't. You don't get to say that anymore. You can't be like, oh, well, I have the LLC. You technically have a business. No, you're incorporated or you have limited liability. It's different, dude. If nobody's paying you a dollar, you don't have a company. You don't have a business. A business facilitates a transaction between money and value between two people or a business and a person. So I love when people are like, no, I've been in business for six months. How much money are you making? Well, nothing. Dude, you don't have a business. Let's just call it what it is because if we can go ahead and get to that and cut through the crap, essentially, we can get at to why you haven't been making money for the last six months. Maybe you've been spending way too much time building a website than actually calling suppliers, than actually getting customers. And I think there's a big difference there. And so I think we need to reclassify what, what it means to have a business. If nobody's paying you money, you don't have a business. And it's hard for a lot of people. It was hard for me to hear because I, I remember growing up, I was like 19, 20. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I got a business. I'm like, but actually I work at a grocery store and nobody pays me money. I just got a website. And like, I'm really not an entrepreneur because I haven't done anything <laughs> like but the moment I could get my ego out of the way and just be like, all right, dude, reality is nobody's paying you money. You work for someone. You're an employee, and that's okay. You want to be an entrepreneur. You want to be a business owner. Fine. Let's accept the realities here, and then let's go do what we actually need to do to get people to pay us, which, by the way, is always the most uncomfortable part of business, getting people to either reject you or say, yes, here's a dollar. Hard. Well, too many people want to negate that whole situation 
because it makes you feel good. Oh, I'm a business owner. It says CEO of my Instagram bio. Nobody cares, dude. Nobody's paying you money. <laughs> you know, and by the way, if you're that person, it's okay. But also everybody knows you're not a business owner <laughs> because they know you work at Publix or, or Kroger's, whatever, right? Like, it's fine, dude. Like, just reclassify what it means to be a business owner and to own a business. Because if we can do that, we can cut through a lot of the crap. So you'd mentioned, you dropped the, the, the keywords, website and email, et cetera, like things like that. Like I see that come up a lot as a excuse. How do I, how do I start? How do I create my website for my business? How do I, how do I get X, Y, and Z set up so I can start doing A, B, and C? I, it, it's, it's neat that people want to do that. Like as 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 a tech person as an engineer i find it fascinating that more people like to, they want to get into that sort of thing but it's it's almost being done for the wrong reason it's like a waste of time yes well yes i i was about <laughs> to say actually but on the whole you are right there's i would my very small asterisk to this super small you almost can't see it is that if it's going to take you more than 20 minutes don't do it like that's for me, that's the threshold. And for me, I did it because it took me 20 minutes like that's, <laughs> But that's because I knew how to do it. You know, sure. if, if, if you're going to be spending a whole day or a week on this, you got better things to do. Like, right. And if you have to pick, if you absolutely like if you're if you're going to roll over and die, if you don't do one of these things, at least make it the email. Right. And I, I feel like there's even more asterisk in even saying that because I feel like I'm giving permission to people to to go and spend all the time getting their email set up. And that's that's not what I'm trying to say. And you shouldn't. I get what you're saying. And he, here's the issue. It's, oh, no, I need a website or, hey, what should it look like? Hey, you don't have customers. You don't have suppliers. You don't have product to sell. That's paramount. Here's here's a simple fact. I took my Amazon wholesale business from zero to a quarter million in annual sales by myself using my regular Gmail account, no brand, and no website. And the first three months, I didn't have an LLC. When I needed a resale permit, it was put in my social security number. And then, and why did I do this first? I didn't know if it was going to work. Why invest all this time up front? If I don't even know if it's going to work. So let's just go test it first. Let's test it for three months. Okay, I am making $1,000 a month now. Cool. Convert everything over. Let's start an LLC. Let's take it a bit more serious. And then I question things. Why do I need a different email? Why do I need a website? Unless you have to have it to facilitate the service value product that you offer to customers. I don't care. You just, you don't. And I challenge all those things. And it's not to say that you should never do them. It's like, but at what point? Let's, let's be frank. You don't need a, a professional email. Like you don't have suppliers. You're not even emailing suppliers. You having a professional email is, is not really going to matter if you're not emailing them, period. But it makes you feel like you made progress. Like, oh, I set up our website today. I made some good progress. Did you call any suppliers? No. Dude, what progress did you make? And so I challenge all these things because you should think lean, right? It's like the whole bootstrappers mentality. Like if you don't need it, throw it out. If that changes, great, bring it back in. I mean, we didn't build a, a landing page for Aura until the day we launched it. We had beta users. We, we, why waste our time setting? And we literally, I flew to Amherst where my co-founder is located to launch. Go, hey, we're going to sit down this afternoon for three hours we're going to build it using Bootstrap, and we're just going to build this now and launch. We built that thing in like two hours. But when it was actually time to do so, it would have been easy to be like, oh, well, let's not build the infrastructure on the back end because that's hard. Let's build the landing page. No. <laughs> landing page doesn't matter if we don't have a software to actually sell to you. Okay, let's go build a software. <laughs> like it, It's not difficult. And I get it because like I was that person for the longest time. You know, okay, I wanted to start a podcast. The first podcast I wanted to start, I built the WordPress site, did all the things, all the graphics. And it had been like two weeks. I'm like, dude, I haven't even like reached out to somebody to interview them. I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is stupid. Like, it's no, it's, 
it's funny you say that because that's almost kind of how the this one ended up working out but that wasn't you know that was more so because of external factors but at the same time i i did most of that work because i knew i could just quickly turn it out yeah you know that's your skill set for me right for me like i i did it going back to what i said i did it because i knew it wouldn't take long it wasn't because i already had that background i was comfortable just quickly making something and just moving on right now, I will also follow that up with, you know, I built the business website and I will say in the last six months, I've seen probably 10 visitors to that site. Okay. <laughs> like it has had, it has had zero impact yeah. on saying. my ability to grow the business. Like that's, if, if there, if there is no other proof, the website is nice, but it never comes up in a conversation. It's never, hey, do you have a website? Can we take a look at it? We'll get back to you. Like, it's never, it's it, a literally, holder. exactly. And it's, it's, again, it's nice to have, but I'm confident, 100% confident. I wouldn't have any less business if it didn't exist. No, I can, I can guarantee you that you wouldn't. I mean, it's, it's that simple, right? It's just, it's getting, it's getting through the crap that feels or makes you feel like you're making progress, but is actually doing nothing for you. And you're avoiding the hard part, like calling suppliers, like, like finding customers, like emailing 20 people and be like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. If you're one in PayPal me 20 bucks to validate it. Right. This is why it's funny. Cause, cause engineers always do this. It's so funny. Like you build the thing, but you don't consider going to the person first and be like, pay me first and then let's see if it's worth it. Right. Cause you just enjoy building it, which I get, but it's funny because like so many people, like different types of people have different versions of that thing. Right. It's like, it's uncomfortable to go talk to a hundred people and be like, would you pay me for this? Great. Here's, here's my PayPal, like prove it. And then I'll go build, build it versus like, no, I just enjoy building things. I, I'll just go build it. This is why you have so many tools that get launched on a site like product hunt. They've done no validation. And people are like, yeah, dude, I don't see the point in this. I mean, it's cool, but like, I'm not going to pay you for it. Like, oh, that sucks. That took me like eight months to build, dude. <laughs> like, there goes all my weekends for eight months. It's like, well, you could have avoided that whole thing by just putting up a page and be like, hey, here's what we want to do. If we get 100 people to, to pay 500 bucks each, we'll build it. Right? You at least, you cut through it, right? You get right to the point. Is this worth doing or not? And if you can, if you can externalize all those things and clarify and quantify it, you don't, you don't waste time. I think that's my biggest thing is like, stop wasting time, especially if you're trying to get out of a job that you hate. Why would you waste a week, two weeks of your time, which is a ton of your time to go play business, if you will. To an extent, this doesn't apply to those who are operating their own e-commerce storefront. Yeah, that's different. <laughs> I'm saying that with some hesitation and more asterisk in my voice because I can see... I can just, I can picture people spending weeks on their storefront before they've actually started contacting anybody. And the same yeah. logic still applies here. It does. But at the same time, there is still, if you've never had a Shopify store, for example, or you've never used big commerce or WooCommerce or any commerce, like there's hundred commerce, whatever. Um, it does help to spend a little bit of time with that, but don't make it, like a hard hurdle that you can't get over to continue with everything else. Do that in addition to everything else you're doing to build your brand, build your business, your relationships, do it at the same time. Don't, if you, if you're building a brand for the first time and getting your website is like what's preventing you from filing your trademark application, you're doing it in the right. wrong order. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, 100%. that's, that's what I'm getting at here. So there is, there are exceptions to this rule. Obviously there's, a, there's practically exceptions to everything that will probably come out of our mouths at some point. Even, even the automation thing, I will, yes. I will probably fight Dylan on it at some I point, agree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's, that's, that's almost the beauty of it, right? The, because there is so much flexibility in this space Anybody, if they really wanted to, could get into this and be successful. Like there's no, you don't have to be a special kind of person. You don't have to have a certain level of wealth. You don't have to, like, 
anybody can do it if they really, really wanted to. And they even more so have the correct motivation for doing so. Like you would, you had mentioned doing it, yeah, doing it for the right reasons. Like when I started, I did it because I liked it. I started it because it looked like something I would like to do. So I did it purely because I liked it, not because I, I need to start another business to make more money. Like the money didn't even really occur to me until at least a couple months in. Once I was able to validate what I was building, just like what you were saying, right? Like you building it with the validation. Now this is time to really step on the gas now let's make this grow. Let's shoot this to the moon, as they say in weird day trader circles, right? You can't you can't send anything to the moon unless you've validated your machinery or your whatever you're building, right? Like your your business is a rocket, for lack of better terms, right? I think that's that's a pretty good analogy here. So I started not thinking about how many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars I could make off of this. I started it thinking about, is this something I can actually do long-term? Is this always just going to be a hobby? Like I wanted to create, I wanted to see where my like almost subconscious boundaries were in this case. So I could be aware of them early on. So once I, I knew I was going to hit them eventually as I'm growing, so I started already planning around all of that before I was even interested in how do I turn this into a 10x, 100x thing, right? I mean, I, I, if, if, if someone told me I haven't turned a profit yet, I mean, if, if they're just starting out, dude, most businesses don't turn a profit right away. Like there's literally it's entirely acceptable to be operating at a loss for a little while, right? Like I can't imagine Aura was immediately profitable the moment it launched. No, I mean, it, it took eight months just to build the beta. And then you have to grow to a critical threshold, reinvest back into it, new tools, new systems as you scale. And then at a certain point, you can take a, a small salary. And what's crazy is you get to a point you don't even want to take a larger salary because you're like, wait, we can hire an engineer and a backend engineer that's like really on points, like 180 grand a year plus some equity. Do we want to do that or pay ourselves more? Well, I care more about the success of the company than myself at this point because like I, you know, that's why we're doing this. So no, I, I don't want to pay myself crazy amounts of money. I'd rather pay an engineer and have an awesome team. So you, I mean, dude, nobody talks about that it's all like oh well the company makes 200 grand a year so like that's what i'm taking home it's like but why don't you take up 100 grand and reinvest 100 grand back into the business imagine where you could be at compounded in in three to four years that's incredible to me so you actually get to a point it's this weird dichotomy where like you're trying to keep your living expenses so low because so you're like man we're doing these crazy things i want to keep pouring fire on it like it's ridiculous let's keep going right like i don't want to take money off the table like let's keep Throwing it back in there, like like we have reasons to, and because it's it's that exciting, it's worth doing it. And like I, I'm not I'm not running this business for like my lifestyle, if that makes sense. Like we you know we kind of joked about like watches, like yeah I'm into watches, but like I'm not gonna say oh let's do a quarterly distribution or dividend so that I can go buy a watch. No, dude, who cares? Like if if you know if there's nothing we can spend that money on within the business, sure. But there is. So we'll keep reinvesting. I don't care that much. I don't have a watch on now. Like I care more and get more enjoyment. <laughs> I get more enjoyment out of building the company and seeing where we could go and thinking at a higher level and upskilling. And like I get more out of that than being like, oh, like I just got a new car. And like honestly, like I do kind of low key consider myself a lifestyle person. Like I do like nice things. But not to the extent of which I'm willing to suffocate my business. That's not why we started the software company. It wasn't for cash flow. It's like, no, like this would be so sick to do. Let's do it. And the fact that I get to get paid because I don't have a day job, like this is it. This is what I do. And so like the fact that I get to wake up and work on this thing and not have to work for somebody else is by itself a win. 
it. I love it. Like it's ridiculous. It's like, and but again, it's not like, oh, I'm making like 150 grand a year, blah blah blah. It's like, no, who cares? I literally don't like. I, I mean, I would probably get like a, a, a robot that would fold my laundry. Let's let's be frank, but but you know what I mean. That's more like cool, but not a necessity for. I and I think this is a, this is a difference too. Is like I'm not doing it because because of what it gives me externally. I get fulfillment. And that's different. When you get fulfillment from the things you do, it's worth it. Like that's, that's it, dude. Like, and don't get me wrong. Again, I'm a capitalist. I, I don't, I'm not allergic to money by any stretch of the imagination. Hell, I'm a finance major. And I like watch it. So that alone, like kind of <laughs> destroys that idea. But, but fulfillment in the things that you do, if you can do that with money, oh my gosh, it's insane. And yeah, when times do get tough, who cares? Like if the money goes down a little bit, I still have fulfillment. So like I didn't lose, who cares? And if you can get to that point, oh my God, it's so, it's, it's sick. Honestly, it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. Like I keep, I'm, I'm almost preventing myself from coming back around to the whole job thing that we've just, you know, brought up many times already. But like at the same, you know, if you, you hate your job and you want to leave it, if, you you have to love this new operation that you're doing too. Like you stay in your job because you love it, or maybe be the money is so good that you overlook it at the bare minimum, right? Most people like their job. They stay there. You have to have that same feeling here too, or it's just going to be another job for you. And it's going to be worse because it's actually way harder and way more stressful. Like fun fact, you get to go home when you have a job and not think about your job. You can totally do that. You can totally well, do I don't. I don't. I have about 30 <laughs> feet to my couch and that's about it. But, you know. Dude, literally, my couch is right. I'm right there with you. <laughs> but, like, to me, the way I've structured it, it's more like work-life integration, right? But that's been very strategic and by design. But if I hated what I do, if I just, if this was such a hard grind, don't get me wrong, I do burn out. But, like, it's not because I hate it. It's because it's just a lot going on. And, like, yeah, it's part of it, right? I mean, you're growing a big company. But... If, if, if I didn't enjoy it and I worked from home, I would be miserable. I would be completely depressed. I mean, I mean, how could I not be? I would At that point, I would rather go get a job and make a little bit less but not have to care about anything. Like you, you mentioned in the previous episode, like, well, if I couldn't do this, I'm just going to go be a bus driver. About what I would probably do if I could not actually do the things that I want to do. Well, screw it. Who cares? Like, I'm just going to have a thoughtless job. I'm probably going to automate the whole thing anyways. Let's be frank. <laughs> but yeah. I'm not going to have any stress. I'm like, whatever. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. I know. It, it It almost sounded like I was joking when I said that. But it is literally a conversation that, that's come up several times. Like it, It's I, like low-key I, I was fantasy. 100%. Yeah, like I was 100% serious. <laughs> Partly because I know bus drivers in my area make decent money for what they do. Right. Like it's, you know, like I've, I've thought this through. Like, believe me. You can me, listen this- to all the podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably not. But I would want to. I would right. really want to. Yeah. Like, there, there wouldn't be enough podcasts in the world that would cater to my taste <laughs> for the amount of driving I would end up doing. But I, I was 100% serious with that. And, I mean, don't hate on bus drivers. That's ultimately what I'm also trying to true. say. <laughs> <laughs> Episode so. three, Jonathan becomes a bus driver. <laughs> I Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. So turns out I quit my job, became a bus driver. The podcast is about bus driving now. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> it's called Welcome to Bus Driving. Right. Oh my gosh, that's great. Well, I feel like that, that's a solid place to end right there. You, you can't talk about that. That's our title. <laughs> <laughs> that's the show title right there. Yes. <laughs> so tell me about the watches. What's the story okay. with the watches? This is after show content right here. Okay, I like it. So I consider myself a hacker um, in the traditional sense of the word. Not in the like security, like literally like where the word came from, that traditional. What I mean by that is I like finding ways to hack everything. Like, and, and, and it's not just like, how do I break something? 
It's more like, how do I understand the fundamentals of what's surrounding something? And then like, how do I bend that to my will? So prime example, travel hacking. That's a thing. I do it. Um, I travel relatively for free. I pay basically fees. So like I flew from here to Oregon and back. Um, it was 12 bucks in total round trip, um, Paris, all that stuff. And like, so I like to start with, and we alluded to this on the first episode is like, you start with problems, which when I first got into all this stuff was I don't have money, but I really want to travel. Okay. Go to Google. How do you travel for free? (laughs) If you go down the rabbit hole long enough, you will, I promise you find an answer. Um, luckily I did. I've met somebody who taught me how to do travel hacking. Even for a while, I actually wrote on a blog teaching how to travel hack. Um, so I was like, okay, that was the first one. That's pretty cool. I like watches. They seem cool. Um, okay, let's just see if this works again. Go to Google. How to wear luxury or expensive watches for free. Go down that rabbit hole long enough, you will find a answer. And certainly I did. Met somebody, taught me how to do it. And so I realized that if you understand how watches are traded, how they're sold, the depreciation schedules, um, it's actually pretty simple. I mean, you can buy a watch that retailed for 15 grand that now sells on the secondary market for, let's say, $7,000. That's a big markup of welcome to luxury goods. And what's interesting is once it's been bought from retail, it has an immediate depreciation, but then it will only depreciate based off condition. So if it's got boxes, paper, and the watch itself, and it's in perfect condition, What's the difference between me buying it from a retailer versus buying it from the guy who bought it from the retailer who now just doesn't want it anymore? Cars work. So luxury and exotic cars, predominantly exotic cars work the exact same way from a depreciation standpoint. A Ferrari is still a Ferrari. doesn't matter. It's going to go down based off mileage, but that's you can quantify that as condition too, right? So prime example, I love James Bond. I'm literally obsessed. Okay, Omega Seamaster Planet Ocean. That watch retails, I think, about like 67, maybe like seven grand, somewhere between $6,500 and $7,000, brand new. You can buy that watch, papers, boxes, literally the exact same, same condition, maybe a few months old, for $2,500 on the high end, two grand on the low end. What's interesting though, is let's say I want to enjoy that watch, but I only have four grand to my name. Great. Well, I can buy that watch. Let's let's say for twenty two hundred bucks. Right. What if I get sick of that watch? What if I need my my money back? What if something happens? Right. Well, I know that at any point in time I can walk into a jeweler, hand them the watch, and go give me two grand, and they go, "Yep," because I understand what's happening on the back end. I I understand what's called bottom cash value. So my risk is not the $2,200 I paid for it. My risk is actually the $200 that is over what a jeweler would pay for, or a dealer would pay me right now cash money. So risking $200, I get to wear a watch that retail for seven grand. But in three months, I get sick of it. I want something else, or I just want my cash back. I go and sell that watch. Nothing has changed on it, by the way. The condition hasn't changed. And let's say I sell that watch for 2,300 bucks. So I got paid a hundred bucks to wear a watch that retail for seven grand. You can extrapolate that with more expensive watches. So what's interesting is you can wear, you can wear 80 grand from a retail value standpoint of watches in a year for $0 out of pocket. So there's a difference between spending the $2,200 and simply transferring the $2,200 of value from cash to an asset and then back to cash. Make sense? Right. And so when you, it's funny when people hear that, they're like, that's so simple. I'm like, I know. (laughs) That's why it's cool. The fact that you can do this is ridiculous. And so I, and that's basically what I've done. Like in, in not this year, but the past year, um, when I really was like trading heavily, I'd have like two or three watches at a time. You could trade in and out, buy and sell. I mean, you can make money with it. I mean, there's, I, the, the Panerai I wore, which is a brand retail for around 15 grand. I bought for, how much did I buy it for? Around seven, around seven grand. I wore that watch for about four, maybe five months and then sold it and made 500 bucks on it. 
So I'm like, wait, so I got to wear the most expensive watch I've ever touched <laughs> and got paid 500 bucks to do that. That's ridiculous. For those that aren't familiar with how insane the luxury watch industry is, go look up the website, publication, whatever you want to call it, Hodinkee. Oh, Hodinkee's pretty cool, yeah. And you, your mind, if you're not familiar with this, your mind is going, you just, it's going to melt. The, it's, the, it becomes an obsession. Yes. Like this, the level of detail that they put into everything it, it matches the level of detail that the watchmaker puts into the watch. Like it's very, they, they go hand in hand. Like I, it's I, so I cool. totally get it. It's, it's fascinating and dumbfounding at the same time. Like it I, is. Yeah. I mean, I would never wear a massively fancy watch or just anything that's probably over a few hundred dollars, but that's just because I don't have a preference for that kind of thing. Right. I right. wear an Apple watch every day. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's the threshold for me, right? Like yeah. the $500. That's it, right? I, I See, can't, for me, can't even get like, the fancy metal. <laughs> <laughs> so I like watches, certainly. And that was something I, you know, I grew to like more the more that I had. But to me, it's more the intellectual curiosity, which is how do I hack this thing? I was, I was having a conversation with, with a buddy and we're basically talking about this. I was like, I'm, I'm looking at different categories of things that I could potentially or perceivably hack. I know I can do travel hacking done. House hacking exists. You buy a duplex up to a quadplex. You live in one, rent out the others. It covers your mortgage. Live for free. Cool. Already known. What are some things that are not as known that I could potentially pull off? So I'm looking at like luxury pins as an example. I'm doing some research there. What's great though, and we, we alluded to this on the first episode, is like there's always a blog on something. Pinatic.com. Just mm, about yes. pins. Dude yes. freaks out about fountain pins. Super cool, right? But you meet these people and you ask crazy questions. So I, I met a guy, we, we just, he moved here um, where I live and was like, hey, I'm just reaching out to business owners and just networking. Cool. He's a pilot. Go, hey, dude, um, you might know more so than I ever would. How could I get a free plane? He's like, what? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm serious. Like, you know more about how the world works. Why don't you, like, thought experiment, how would you do it if you wanted to do it? He's like, well, I guess you could purchase a hanger that has three bays in it. You rent out the two bays. You lease them out to somebody else. That's profit coming in. And if it's profitable enough, you could then afford to put a third plane under that business and keep it in the third bay. Therefore, you know, you wouldn't make money, but like you would have a free plane. I was like, so it's like house hacking. He's like, actually, yeah. Okay. So that's possible. So theoretically, it's more expensive because hangers are not cheap, but like assuming you could, you could have a free plane. And so I like asking these crazy questions. You could even take it one step further and kind of sublet your plane, yes. the, 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 the flight hours out to somebody else. When you're not using it. It's, you know, unless you're literally flying all the time, that plane is <laughs> just, it's, it's sitting, right? Yeah. And that's, that's even more potential money, I think. I can, I can feel, I can feel people thinking about, man, how do I do plane flipping now? Like that's, not- <laughs> that's a thing. That's literally a thing. I mean, and I, I had this idea. I was like, okay, I could, I know how you could theoretically do it with an Island, not fully free, but relatively speaking, like a small Island. Crazy. How do we, how do we flip a whole planet Dylan? That's what everyone really wants. <laughs> now to we're talking, now we're talking, but I had this idea. I was like, you know what? I want to hack a castle. I do. I want to find a way to get a castle for free. I'll find a way. Now, I might have to rent it out as a hotel, and then I live in the penthouse suite. That would certainly work if, I, if it's profitable enough and I don't have to pay for it. I own this castle. I mean, there's, there's all kinds. And that's where my mind goes. It's always like, what's, what's crazy, but also potentially possible, right? So, like, I think it's, it's always attributed to Einstein there's contention there if it's true, but like the, the quote basically is that every problem sits in one of two camps, either a physical problem as in physics, like, is this physically possible or a knowledge problem? Most of the things in business or in like my personal life, at least are not physics problems. Like I'm not Tony Stark doing some, you know, trying to discover a new element. I mean, not at least not yet, maybe in my forties, but right now it's a knowledge problem. Either, I need to find the knowledge or I need to develop the knowledge because it's because it hasn't been done yet. 
that's where things like first principles come into play, all kinds of cool like mental models. But but like, why not ask crazy questions like that? Like, I, I was thinking the other day, like, how could I get somebody to give me a, a, a million dollar business? Well, LBOs exist, so leverage buyouts. So theoretically, you could buy a company. Let's say it's worth, let's say it's worth a million dollars. Um, if you do an LBO, you're going to finance eighty percent of it. So that means you need twenty percent cash. So that's two hundred grand. What if I didn't have two hundred grand? I could perceivably go get in a personal investor and say, "Hey, I want you to come in on this with me. I'll operate and run it. You come up with the two hundred grand, and then I get given equity in the business, and now I own." a piece and operate a million dollar business with nothing out of pocket. This is how, I mean, these is, this is how real estate investors get their properties. I mean, they're, they're just churning it. They're basically a, a guaranteed source of new mortgages for their pay. Right. Right. So why couldn't you do that with businesses? Why couldn't you do that with planes? Why couldn't you do that with, with yachts? But but the thing is, what's crazy though, it, it, the more you do research and you go down this rabbit hole, you're like, oh my God, there are people that literally do this, but they don't do it with million dollar businesses. They do it with billion dollar businesses. And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> like that's a, that's in the stratosphere of operations here. Like that is, it's hard to conceive that being possible, but once you know that it actually is because somebody's done it, you're like, oh my gosh, what am I capable of achieving here? And then you get to this weird limitless feeling of like, if I wanted to do some crazy stuff, like positively, like I, I could totally do that. Like it would be hard. It's not simple, but it's possible. We see that a lot with businesses that buy other businesses and they use their stock as a method of purchase, right? They're using, yeah. they're leveraging themselves as, right. They're, they're basically taking themselves, we'll give you a piece of us instead of giving you money. And that piece is only, you know, it, it's until they sell that stock, right? It's all theoretical. So no actual cash had to come out of anything anywhere. And, and you can now... use the business to pay off the loan, right? So like if I'm buying your business for, let's say, a million dollars, you're like, I, I'll, I will self um, or I will sell or finance 90% of it. Okay, I give you 100 grand. Where am I coming up with the other 900? From the profits of the business that you just handed me. So I bought a million dollar business for 100 grand out of pocket. How, that's ridiculous, dude. And like, by the way, this is normal. This happens all the time. This is not like some like crazy thing. No, this is how businesses, from an M and A standpoint, this is how it operates. So, how do you take something like that and then apply it somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, this is where like I really have fun intellectually. It's like, okay, well, maybe I want to. Oh, I did this one the other day. I was like, I want a Tesla. I don't want to pay for it. All right, let's go find out how we could do that. And you find some loopholes and you find ways, okay, you could do it this way, blah, blah, blah. And like some people have more opportunity than others. Like some people, okay, you're in real estate, so you can you can write off that car. And by the way, you can write off 80% of the value of the car year one. Awesome. You made that work. You bought a Tesla for a hundred bucks. I can't write off the car because we're a software company. It's just not going to jive with a CPA. So I can't do that. But maybe there's some other opportunities. Maybe it's, you know, renting it out short term. I, I don't know. There's... There's all kinds of stuff there, but you just, it's like, it's asking crazy questions because you just might get an answer. And worst case, you don't. Worst case is like not physically possible, period, because X law, okay, can't do it, but at least I know. But what if you find one guy who's done it and that person's like, no, dude, this is sick. Nobody wants to talk about it. I will tell you everything. And then you go get a plane for free. So the the ultimate goal here, I want to see an Amazon seller take their business and buy Amazon with it. That would be sick. <laughs> that that is, so that nuts. is it right there. Like that is peak. If somebody does that, you win, <laughs> you just, you win, you win. I'm sorry. You win. We'll shut down everything. I'll be your servant. <laughs> Perfect. 